the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If you follow Jesus Christ, that makes you a part of the family of God. And as part of the family of God, God's desire is that you, even if we're scattered, even if you're persecuted, that you are sharing that good news of Jesus. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. Aren't you thankful that God cares about the details of your life? There really aren't accidents or chance. or Don't let me hear you say, well, I guess it was fate. That's not the way it works. What, what the prophet Jeremiah said, it's true for you. God knows the plans he has for you. So he sets up divine appointments. And he did it for Philip and he'll do it for you. In fact, Acts 17 tells us that it's God that determines our boundaries. Some of you are wondering, how did I ever end up in Tampa? Why do I live here? God determined your boundary. Isn't that awesome? You may have thought you took a job. You may have thought your family moved you here. But God in his providence, providence is the hand of God over the arc of history. God in his sovereignty, sovereign means he's sitting on his throne. He's in control. God has you here and you're here like Queen Esther for such a time as this. And God wants to use you if you are a follower of his for his glory right where you are. Another truth I love about this is God uses imperfect people for his perfect purpose. Philip, he wasn't Billy Graham. <laughs> Matter of fact, he, he's just, he's a deacon in the church. And yet he realized, even though he wasn't one of the apostles, he wasn't one of the original disciples, and God wanted to use him to help get the message out. And he did. And then we've got his obedience, right? What an example of obedience. The spirit didn't tell him exactly where to go. Just go south to the desert. Okay. He didn't tell him what he was going to do. He just told him to go. And he went. You want to live faithfully for Jesus? Half the job's just showing up. Just put your two feet on the floor every day and say, God, I thank you for giving me another day of life. Wherever you lead, I'll go. Half the job's showing up. The other half's opening up. You just open your life to the people around you and let them see Jesus in you. So how do we live that way? It's what I would describe as living where you love loudly. Where you're led by the Spirit of God. And where you're constantly looking for opportunities. I want to make it simple. 
So let me give it to you. Number one, you, you've got to position yourself. You've got to make sure you're in a position to be used by God. And for some of you, that may mean confession, <laughs> repentance, and, and repositioning. Because you're not in a setting currently where, where God's going to use you. You're, you're putting yourself in some positions that are not honoring to Him, that are not pleasing to Him. And that's just a simple spiritual truth. If, if I want God's will in my life, I've got to position myself kind of in accordance with His will. And I learned something even as, I think, probably a teenager that helps me with that. It, it means I want to stay fat. You heard me right. I want to stay fat. I take those three letters. I want to stay faithful. So every day I want to wake up and say, God, I want to be faithful. I know I'm going to fail you, but I want to pursue holiness today. I want to live for your glory. I want to make those decisions that honor you. God, I want to be available. I want to go wherever you want me to go. I know I'm not setting the boundaries. You are. And then, oh God, I want to be teachable. The best people I meet in life are those that clearly exhibit that they're lifelong learners. That they're teachable. I was thinking earlier today, you know, when I was younger, I felt like I talked a lot and I thought I knew everything. Now that I'm a little older, I realize how much I don't know and I just want to talk less. Because I want to be teachable. I, I want to get this right. I, I want to understand everything there is. So I want to look for opportunities to be used by God. What's interesting here, God's opportunity for Philip was not in the limelight. It wasn't at a place where others would see him. And we live in a day where you feel like it didn't really happen if you don't put it on social media. Everybody's got to see everything I do. That's not the case here. God called Philip away from the multitude in Samaria to go to the one on the road to Gaza. Speaking of one, who's your one? Who's that one person that you've been praying for, that you're sharing those gospel conversations with? Who's that one person in your little corner of the world that God has placed you here so that they can hear, so that they can know the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, so that they can have the opportunity to choose heaven? Who's your one person that's in the flap of your Bible or in your notebook that you're praying for? Who's that one? And if you don't have one, oh, in the name of Jesus, please ask God to lay at least one person on your heart. And pray for God to give you the opportunity to have gospel conversations. You've got to position yourself. And, and then secondly, you've got to present yourself. Now this is close, but it's a little different. Let me see if I can explain it. I learned this as a child. Because I remember when I, I first went to school. For me, it was first grade. Because we had, had church kindergarten. And I, I first went to school and I realized there was a job I had first thing in the morning. Every day, I would wait for that teacher to call my name. And then when she did, I would say, present. Here I am, present and accounted for. Here. 
And so again, the first thing you want to do, if, if you want to be used by God, you got to make sure you're not doing things that take you out of a position used by Him. But then secondly, you want to present yourself and say, God, here I am. It's like what the prophet Isaiah said in Isaiah 6 and verse 8. I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for me? Then I said, what did he say? Here am I. Send me. Say, here am I. That should be your prayer every day. Here am I, Lord. Say, send me. When Kimberly and I were in seminary, we got to the end. We'd been married a year, and we didn't know what was next. Our, our yes was on the table. And the office there at the school in Fort Worth, Texas, they gave us this form we're supposed to fill out. And on the form, you put the degree that you had and the things you felt like God was calling you to do. And then it had a section that says, what part of the United States do you want to live in? Man, I've got so many faults and so many flaws, so many areas I still sin. But I can remember even as a young seminarian thinking, that's not right. What do you mean, where do I? I'm not doing this because I want to live somewhere. I'm not doing this because I've got my life all figured out. God, I'll go wherever you want me to go. That's what I signed up for. Wherever you lead, I'll go. That's what I want to challenge you to think like. But you put your yes on the table and let God put it on the map. You say, here I am, Lord. I surrender all to Jesus. I surrender all to you. How do we sing that and then not live it? Present yourself. And then thirdly, prepare yourself. Like Philip, we, we've got to be prepared. So an interesting thing happens. <laughs> Philip's running, running alongside the chariot. Hey, you understand what you're reading there? Uh, well, matter of fact, I, I'm not sure I do. Can you come up here and explain it? Yeah, can you slow down? I'm out of breath. So he gets up there and he starts where he is. And then some of your translations say this clearly. Using other scriptures, he leads them to Jesus. So part of why we come into a gathering like this is so that we can help be prepared. It's what 2 Timothy 2.15 says. Do your best to present yourself as an approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. So I dig into God's word. That's why we have community groups so you can gather in smaller groups to study God's word so that you can understand, so that you can be prepared. That's why I learned as a child, Psalms 119.11. I have stored your word in my heart that I may not sin in you. So, so I want to memorize God's word. I want to know some of these passages of Scripture. Why? So that I can defend my faith, that I can tell other people what I believe. It's First Peter 3.15. In your hearts, honor Christ as the Lord, as holy. Always being prepared. Say always. Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you a reason for the hope that's in you. Hi, I'm Paul Purvis, the lead pastor of Mission Hill Church right here in Tampa Bay. Thanks for taking the time to listen to today's The Barnabas Effect. It's a ministry intended to encourage, equip, and empower you. You may not know this, but this ministry is made possible because of the generosity of listeners like you. We are able to be on the air because listeners like you are gracious and give to this ministry. Would you consider making a gift today? It would be our honor to send you a gift, a resource, as a result of your gift of any size. 
And you can make that gift by going to missionhill.org and clicking on the banner that says The Barnabas Effect. That will direct you to a simple way that you can give right there online. Thanks again for listening to The Barnabas Effect today. And now we continue with our message. So for several weeks, I've, I've done something that I've not done in ministry. I've, I've just tried to help you get prepared. And so we've given you some tools. And, you know, I've got a lot of tools at my house, but I never use them. And some of you have tools and you're not using them. We gave you this tool. It's called three circles. And I told you, you could just draw three circles on a piece of paper and you could begin by saying there's an ideal. God's ideal is that he has the right relationship with you, but our sin gets in the way of that design. And that sin is anything we do that God said don't do or anything we don't do that God said do and we're all sinners. And that always leads us to brokenness, that second circle. And man, if we were to raise our hands, every one of us have broken lives. We have pain, we have shame, and that's a result of sin. But God doesn't want you to stay there. That's good news. That's the gospel. God does not want you to stay there. So when you believe in Jesus and you turn from that life of sin, you, you experience the good news of Jesus. And, and that puts you on a path of recovery, and, and you're able to restore that right relationship with Jesus, and, and you're able to pursue God's ideal and God's best again. So that's one of the tools we gave you. Last week, I gave you another tool. It's called the best news. It starts this way. Hey, there's bad news. (laughs) All you got to do is turn on the news to realize there's bad news in our world. But the bad news is we're all sinners. We've all blown it. There's worse news. The worst news is, (laughs) don't you like it when somebody says, I got bad news and I got worse news. What do you want? The worst news is there's punishment for that sin and it's death. But there's good news. And the good news is Jesus died so that you don't have to die. And there's actually some best news. And the best news is, is once you trust Jesus, you're never going back. Amen. You've got him. See, that's the best news. But, but today, I just want to give you one more way. And on your seats, you had this little wristband. And this wristband, man, I love this method. It's just a tool, but I love it. Um, what you can do is, is you can say, hey, um, can I pray for you? You know, I ask people that all the time. I ask waitresses and waiters that. I ask people I do business with. Anything going on in your life, I can pray for you. Occasionally, someone says, no thanks. Actually, today, usually they go, I'm good. But usually they say, yeah. And they'll say something like, well, I'm going through a divorce or financial problems or my health or my mama's sick or whatever. And I take a moment and pray. And if you're not a person who's prayed a lot or prayed with other people, let me tell you how simple that is. So uh, let me just imagine I'm talking to Kyle. And Kyle said, yeah, I'm, I'm going through a tough time financially, and I could say, well, let me pray for you. God, I, I pray that you just bless Kyle. I know that you're the God of provision. You're the one who provides. May Kyle know your provision in Jesus' name, amen. It doesn't have to be a fancy prayer. Uh, but, but then I'm going to turn to Kyle, and I'll say, Kyle, um, hey, I've got this bracelet, and I think it's kind of cool. Can I give this to you just so that when you wear it, you'd remember somebody's praying for you? And listen to this. I've never had someone say, no, thank you. Everybody's always took it. And then I say, hey, Kyle, you've been so gracious with your time. Could I take two minutes or less and just tell you what the colors on this bracelet mean? In fact, it's written on there, and I can just explain it. And I've never had anyone say no. So then I just walk through. I say, hey, this uh, yellow color, it's kind of a warning light because it lets me know all of us are sinners. And that's Romans 3.23. 
I'm just going to speed through it for your sake today. And, and then this black color, that reminds me what happens because of my sin. That's Romans 6, 23. The wages of sin is death. And, and then this red color, boy, that reminds me of love. Doesn't red remind you of love? And, and that's Romans 5, 8. It says God demonstrates his love and that while we're still sinners, Christ died for us. And then this blue, blue color, it, it tells me how I can have that relationship with God. It says, for by grace are you saved through faith. It's the gift of God, and it's not of your works. It's not anything you could do or you'd brag about it. And, and, and then I, I, I get to Romans 10, 9, and 10. It's green, and green speaks of life. And how do you have that life with God? Well, you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, and you can be saved. And, and then I turn to Kyle, and I say, hey, Kyle, is there any reason you wouldn't want to be saved today? And, you know, I've taken a little tool and about two minutes of my time, and I've, I've shared my story just like Philip did that day. And then that's all the work you have to do. The Holy Spirit of God does everything else. Some of you are saying, I don't know all those verses, Pastor. That's why we've given you this little card. Keep it with you. You could use that. It's got all, it's a cheat sheet. It's, it's got it all there. Here's what I want you to do. I, I want you to become a chariot chaser. I want you to be a person who's looking for opportunities to, to be involved in the lives of people around you. Love them, listen to them, discern how you can help them, and then call them to respond to what God's doing in their lives. Basically, I'm saying position yourself, present yourself, prepare yourself, and then just preach Jesus. That's your job, just point people to Jesus. That's my anthem. I've come to a place where I've just recognized when I don't know what else to say, I just say Jesus. I've told you this before, but it's been about a year ago. I heard my friend Pastor Jim Simbla say, some days just saying Jesus isn't enough. You need to say Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. <laughs> say how many times you need to. Sometimes I just have to sing it. In fact, we hadn't done that in a while. Why don't we do that right now? You might know this song. If you do, sing it with me. It goes like this. Jesus, 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 there's just something about that name. Master, Savior, Jesus, like the fragrance after the rain. Sing this out, Jesus. Jesus. Let all heaven and earth proclaim Kings and kingdoms will all pass away But there's something about that name Would you give Jesus praise this morning? Would you do that? The goal of coming together is to praise the name of Jesus and magnify him in such a way that he draws us closer to him and we leave looking more like him. And when we live like Jesus, even everyday conversations turn into gospel conversations. But there's always a response. I mentioned Billy Graham and at the end of all of his crusades, <laughs> he would 
lead people to faith, and they would sing just as I am. And then before he would sit down, he would say, now here's what I want you to do. Do you know what he would tell them to do? He would tell them to go to church this Sunday. Now, why? Because when you follow Jesus, there's always going to be a response of obedience. And that's why this ends in verse 36 with them going along the road, coming to the water, and the man saying, Hey, wait a second. I need to be baptized, right? And they went down, and he was baptized. So let me close with that. Some of you need to take that step. What is biblical believer's baptism? Well, number one, it's supposed to be immediate. When you begin a relationship with Jesus Christ, that's when you're supposed to be baptized. It's not really a symbol of rededication. It's not a symbol of, hey, I want to try to get things back together again. Nope. It's saying, I've got this relationship with Jesus. And out of obedience to him, I want others to see. So it's immediate. Second, it's by immersion. That's why we do it by immersion. Just simple reason. It's what the Bible does. Because it says they go down into the water and they're baptized. So here's the deal. Some of you came up from a different faith tradition. And in just a moment, I'm going to invite you. You've got a relationship with Christ, but you've never followed Christ in baptism by immersion. Maybe you were sprinkled as a child or they called it baptized as a child. But it wasn't after you had made a decision to follow Christ. I'm going to ask you to be among the first to respond today to say, hey, I, I need to be baptized. It was immediate, it was by immersion, and then it was intentional. It really did have meaning. When a person goes down in that water, it's like saying there's an old me that was buried. Just like Jesus spent three days in the tomb. When you come out of that water, it's like saying there's a new me that's been raised to life. Just as Jesus was raised to life. The Bible says if, if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. The old things have passed away. All things have become new. It's just a step of obedience. I found this quote from C.S. Lewis this week. I love it. It says, there would be no sense in saying you trusted Jesus if you would not take his advice. So that's what I'm asking you today. Are you ready to do what Jesus has asked you to do? There's a story of a page in a king's court from many years ago. His job was simply to do what the king said to do. So one day the king said, I need you to get over to the prison. There's a man on death row. He's about to be hung, but I'm pardoning him. Go tell the jailer not to take this man's life. The page was so excited because he had this important opportunity. He had this incredible task. He was going to be the one to share this message of life-saving change. He was so excited on the way, he, he passed a, a tailor and he thought, I bet that prisoner needs a new set of clothes. He wants to look different now that he has a new life. And so he went into the tailor and he bought him a new suit. And, and then after he paid for the suit, he headed toward the prison and he passed a restaurant. And he said, man, I know this guy's going to want some food. And so he went in and, and he said, hey, can I have a plate of food to go? Because I want to take something to this prisoner. And, and then he got on his way. But by the time he got to the jailer, he said, hey, I've got great news. The king has ordered that this man not be punished, that his life be spared, that he be pardoned. And the jailer began to cry. 
And he said, you're too late. He was just executed five minutes ago. And then the page began to cry. And he began to go home. All the way. Wondering what the king would say. Because he didn't obey. He didn't do what the king said to do. As sure as I'm standing here, I believe with all my life, one day we will all stand before the king of kings. In fact, the Bible says every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I don't know how many more years I have until that moment when I see Jesus face to face. But I know this. I don't want to waste my time doing things that I thought were worthy while failing to do the things he's asked me to do. And that's my prayer for you as well. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhill.org and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhill.org. And join us weekdays at 9 a.m. for The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk AM 570 and 910.